The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. And welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sequels, mashes up, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from uh, from film and television and books and what have you. And tonight we have a very special episode for you. <laughs> we are doing a romantic comedy, one of the be all end all romantic comedies for Valentine's Day. And uh, here to help me get into the spirit of Valentine's Day is the showrunner from Deeply Upsetting. Uh, of which I am the co-host. Uh, we've got Amy Bogart on. Ready to get romantic up in here. This is one of your personal favorite romantic comedies, correct? Oh my God. I grew up on this movie. So yes, yes. absolutely. It has been a while since I've seen uh, this film. So there were moments that I definitely had a different perspective on as an adult. Oh like, yeah. Either had a better appreciation for or had less of an appreciation for sure. because of my, uh, I think it was a teenager the last time I saw this movie. Fair enough. So yeah. there were parts that I definitely remembered and remembered fondly. There was the, you know, Dirty Dozen uh-huh, scene yeah. that I always mm-hmm. loved when I was younger. And uh, a couple here and there, but definitely a different tone to it. Uh, of course, without further ado, we're talking about Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, yes. <laughs> you probably know from the title of this episode having <laughs> the name in it. So, well, I mean, spoiler alert, it's dated. So, yeah, there's going to be, you know, some things and some sure. other things and There actually as far as like aging poorly as far oh, as yeah. uh, there's one or two tiny things. Yeah, that's it. That are a little bit uh, don't age the best, but sure. for the most part, this still ages relatively well. I would say so. Yeah, I yeah. agree. It just it definitely has a dated feel to it. I mean, oh, yeah. even when it comes to her doing this weird search that didn't seem like it was a real thing whatsoever on her computer. <laughs> Where at the time, which I think this movie came out in like 93 or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, she's works for a newspaper or a magazine or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they ever really got super into it as far as she was a journalist. Yeah. That's about all we know. That's it. And she's never actually working in the movie. No, That's never not working. Important. That's which, not important. Uh, Neither are journalists now, but it's because they're unemployed. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, journalists, listeners. Um, I, one day you will find that dream job. Absolutely. Uh, or become a famous blogger. Yes. Or start a podcast. <laughs> or start a podcast. Actually, blogging is so early aughts. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> Get with the future, man. Future is podcasting. <laughs> I don't know why that's my podcast voice is morning zoo radio. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is the funny thing about this, too, is this is all centered around a radio show. Yes. For those unfamiliar with uh, Sleepless in Seattle, there will be spoilers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Sleepless in Seattle. I mean, come on. Yeah. See it. <laughs> see the movie. It's, I have seen far worse romantic comedies. I, it's oh, Tom yeah. Hanks. It's Meg Ryan. It's a classic. Yeah. Even though this is definitely not on this. It's not on the bottom of my list of romantic comedies either. Oh, sure. It's, this is a perfectly fine romantic comedy. I it ha- is. have a good time with it. Exactly. It's good, clean fun. Yeah. And it's well written. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, yeah. Because the writer director is Nora Ephron, who is apparently the queen of 90s oh, romantic yeah. comedies. Just 90s writing in general. Um, she wrote a lot of like magazine pieces and things like that. And they were just all like perfectly phrased and really quick and she just she writes great dialogue um and just great pieces in general so uh, she was known for also when harry met sally which was one of my personal favorites see and talk about like snappy dialogue oh incredibly snappy that's a good one we toyed with doing that one instead we did because that that definitely falls under this uh this banner of you know valentine's right. day romantic comedy but i mean that really that movie really is two characters and that's about it i mean there's a couple other characters that pop up from now and then but they're really just the two of them. So yeah. it'd be a short episode. But Nora Ephron also 
the one you're responsible for Julie and Julia, which I did enjoy that. Oh, yeah. That movie was precious. Uh, you've got mail bringing back this uh, this casting. Tom Hanks I mean, and Meg Ryan again. I mean, perfect casting yeah. for the time. Uh, Bewitched. All right. That, mm, yeah. that was a weak spot. Uh, when Harry met Sally. Uh, and uh, and some, several others as well. That uh, she's oh Michael starring John Travolta oh geez okay yeah so not not all bangers you know you you can't win them all but she also wrote a bunch of good books and yeah she's just generally a good writer who had some <laughs> rough calls a couple road but you know, as, as, as everyone does. does yes so but this is one of those movies that it is it was an instant classic oh yeah and it's now beloved it's it's just one of those movies if you want to watch uh, like a tear jerky romantic movie this is <laughs> on the tops of the lists of movies that you pick out i feel like this is not the top of a tear jerky list though <laughs> i don't feel like most people cry at the end of sleepless in seattle no okay I yeah mean, you not, did but I, I looked away for your dignity openly sobbed it, it was, was loud it you know what i just felt <laughs> that for me to properly give it you know recognition yeah. i needed to just let it go you leaned into the i movie. leaned in real hard mm -hmm. it was really embarrassing when you started going annie <laughs> that's meg ryan's character <laughs> that is meg ryan's character and i was loudly yelling her name in in open sobs yeah it was a lot it was you were still being pretty respectful of me at well, that point. Yeah, of course. It's when I knocked over the coffee table. <laughs> yeah. First knocked everything off of it and then flipped it. Yeah. What was that about? I, it was just that I was so frustrated that it took the kid running away yeah. to get them to be together. You know, I know. like it just those darn kids. They were meant to be together and they both kids. knew it. Now I will point out my kind of main issue with this movie, as uh -huh. much as it is an enjoyable thing, and I yeah. I, I think it's pretty easy to understand this. <laughs> Annie's a stalker. Oh, yeah. The concept is fucking wild. Like, this is one of those movies that it's only because it's a romantic comedy that it works. And because it's them. And it's them. Mm -hmm. If it was literally anybody else, mm -hmm. there was a capper moment where he sees her getting off the airplane and right. she doesn't see him. Right. If that scene wasn't there, it'd be way creepier. I but agree with that. Because it's before she sees him, he sees her. So it's okay it's for in movie terms. That she's stalking him because he clearly has an attraction to her. Yes, pretty much. And he already obviously like seems enthralled by her. Like yeah. he's captivated. Exactly. So, so it it's just kind of less weird. It excuses all the other super sketchy shit that she does after that. It's a lot. And this is where she's already flown across the country. Yeah. To to find him. Had looked him up in databases, hired a private investigator right. to take photographs of How him. How much did that cost? That had to have cost a decent amount of money. See, that is the difference between seeing it as a child and seeing it as an adult. Yes. I remember the first time I saw it when I was adult enough, like a teenager or something, to be cognizant of how fucked up this movie is and i was like wow i mean respect though because it worked it worked it how worked. how that's the question the thing is that you don't see where the movie goes no. after after the after they meet well i mean i feel like that's the way with any rom-com you know or a lot of rom-coms is like the first kiss is where it ends or things like that you know i could just see them like you know going to just like a cheap diner mm -hmm. or something you know cats is deli late. or something yeah. it's late and, uh, oh, God, I thought you were saying Cats on Broadway. Cats on Broadway, yes. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> that would be the weirdest ask. Like, hey, uh, shall we? I was thinking we'd watch Cats. <laughs> and then Annie's like, oh, wow, no. Oh, no, I totally I gotta misread go. this I whole really, thing. I really, yeah. I thought I knew you. <laughs> all, right, all right. Tom Hanks is like, McCavity just Oh, no. <laughs> she leaves him, leaves her with his kid. Yeah. That's like, so much. He's your problem now. <laughs> just disappears. The kid's like, well, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> At least you were here this time. He was my third dad, so. <laughs> Are all of his dads McCavity? <laughs> yes. They just keep disappearing. Oh. Yeah. And my dad was McCavity, too. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> I had to. Yeah, yeah, fair. So there is a point where they get food. They definitely get food after the, yeah. the thing. And so. And they're talking about, you know, their weird happenstance. She finds out that he saw her in the airport and it's like, oh, right. it's really meant to be. And that's like cool with her. Yeah. Because he's clearly there for good reasons. Right. Well, Not she her went, Yeah, exactly. Related. She went there and also. Okay, go ahead. Then Sorry. it comes up that, yeah, so do you do a lot of business in Seattle? Like, what, what were you doing in Seattle? Nope. And, and then, yeah, I saw you at the airport and then you just happen to be. Across the street from my home. Wait, no, in the street. In the street. Almost getting hit by hit a truck. By, by a cab. It was a cab. It was like a Mack truck. Oh, it was a Mack truck first and then yeah. made the cab stop. Yeah. yeah. 
So do you have friends in my neighborhood? Maybe I know your, your friends that, no, I flew across the country to stand across the street from your house and stare at you and your son. Well, here's the other weird thing. She's like about to make that move. And so she's coming across the street to say something. But what? That's the real question. What the fuck was she planning on saying? And then she stops in the middle of the road because she sees Rita Wilson and assumes that they're together. But like, I am dying to know what she was really planning on saying. Because how do you not say like, please call the police? I'm unhinged. (laughs) That's all she could say. I... Flew across the country Uh to stalk you. Oh, and by the way, your son also. Oh, yeah. But it's cool because I really came here because of your son. So it's like we're connected, too. Yes. We're in cahoots. Also, until she meets Tom Hanks, and even then, not sure, because there isn't a lot of interaction conversation-wise with him. Nope. She thinks that Tom Hanks is a functional idiot. Oh, right. Because she gets the letter from his son. From his son. Who's eight. Who's an eight-year-old. So she thinks that Tom Hanks uh-huh. is a, like, cute, not, like, hot. No. He's that, like, adorable a kind cute of cute dummy. A cute <laughs> fucking idiot. Yeah. Where she's like, you were so, like, eloquent on the radio. Right. And then you're like, me like you, you like me. We meet on building. <laughs> He's only eloquent about his dead wife. Yeah, right. Everything <laughs> about else. Everything else. He's, like, He's like, I build house. <laughs> I build house. Me make duty, make stomach want food. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm into it. Hey, I watch raise me. child boy. Watch. <laughs> Jonah's like, help me. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's cool. This is easy. Watch me peel this apple right. in one long strand. And he like, that was Ooh. cool, though. I was that was I cool. was also clapping like a monkey <laughs> during that scene. <laughs> Wee! I was like, how many takes did it take, Meg Ryan? <laughs> There's just a pile of apples. like failed apples in the corner of the apple set. twirlies. <laughs> and that's just craft services. Right. <laughs> they run a tight ship over there. We're on it's a like, budget. It's just half-peeled <laughs> apples. Yeah. <laughs> Nora requires 14-karat gold truffles. <laughs> so everyone else is eating apples. Half-peeled apples, yes, with like strands of peel hanging off of them. Also, people that don't eat the peels on apples are... Monsters. Yeah, sociopaths. Yeah, That's yeah, what I was going to say, definitely. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, I definitely do enjoy taking a knife and cutting out squares of apple oh yeah that's fair instead of taking like big honking I'm talking crunches about people that don't eat the peels that's like adults that cut the crust off their pb and j's yeah kids okay you get a pass you sure. are a child but also like grow up bitch yeah but also <laughs> the sociopath is cutting the crust off your sandwich or cutting mm-hmm. it all willy fucking nilly. I will give you dead set down the middle. I'm more of a diagonal man. I'm on a my diagonal cutting. person. I'm yeah. a diagonal person. Mm-hmm. Both are okay. Yeah. I un- I don't understand the down the middle nearly as much as I do like diagonal because yeah. diagonal you get the corners, which exactly. is exactly right. But I still accept it. Yeah, it's fine. If you do some weird fucking in between where it's what not hitting the corners, but it's not in the middle either, or it's like wildly off, like you were working at Pizza Hut. Oh and wow! You, hate your you job, just don't give a shit, and you just or don't give a fuck. Too high, yeah, or it's way too high. Yeah. Um, if you do that on purpose because you just literally don't care to put any effort into it, you're a monster. I don't think I've ever seen that. So you need to associate with new people if you've <laughs> seen so. that. That's so upsetting. You get like a giant half and then a teeny tiny half. Of Are the you sandwich. okay? We can talk about this off air. I, this is really bad. I'm shook. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> I am fully shook to your core. <laughs> There's been a lot of sandwich-related emotions that I've had over the past few days. That's fair, yeah. There was the uh, Harley Quinn movie sandwich that I had some real feelings about mm-hmm. um, out, and that we talked about on the GUI episode that just dropped. Yep. And now this. Mm-hmm. And then there's some real sandwich feelings. Sandwich feels. Yes. Yeah. Also, speaking of sandwiches. Oh, my God. The reason that she's with Walter is because they both had a tomato and lettuce sandwich. That's the worst. That Talk sh- about sociopath. That's the thing. That it should have been the first warning sign that she's uh-huh. a full-on sociopath. Mm-hmm. And she's telling her mom, and her mom's like, what a delightful, kooky little story. I would be, in, like, inconsolable, being like, where did I go wrong? <laughs> How did I produce this little monster? Right? It's like, was there at least mayonnaise on it? I don't know if that's better or worse, because it's literally just the things you put on top of other things on a sandwich. 
I don't know if it's better or worse. I don't know because mayonnaise, lettuce, and tomato, that doesn't, that's not a sandwich. That's also bad. That's just like a mayonnaise sandwich. Like if you just put mayonnaise on bread much, yeah. and put another piece of bread on it <laughs> and then called it a sandwich, you fucking monster. Yeah, that's wrong. You know what? I've accepted that cheese and mayonnaise is a thing that people eat. Not, I don't get it at no. all. That is a thing people do. It's, I, I think it's just a poor white people thing. Okay. I'm not sure. I've never tried it. Uh, like if you put, Bacon with the cheese sandwich. Sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Just cheese and mayonnaise. Ah. Bacon, cheese, and mayonnaise also is a little weird to me. The, no. Fair. You put yeah. lettuce in there, suddenly it's okay. You put tomato in there and it's kind of a grilled cheese. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. If you toast up that bread, I guess. Yeah, you toast it up real good. <sighs> I'm I'm grappling with this. I'm not sure where I'm at. This there's, is a lot. There's a we need somebody to make a graph for us of what is yes. and is not a sandwich okay. based on the internal condiment or exactly. the internal parts of said sandwich. <laughs> Just add one thing. No, no, no. Sandwich. Sandwich. Wait, this no. Is, stop. This is stop. The, too much. It's it's no longer sandwich. It is now <laughs> casserole. It's casserole, right? The sandwich to casserole ratio. It's a fine line. It's very scary. <laughs> it's tough territory. Because. <laughs> Two pieces of bread and lettuce is not a sandwich. You start slowly inching towards a baking dish <laughs> that's right. covered in mayonnaise on the inside. Oh, no! <laughs> I had to go real like Midwest with it. I yeah, <laughs> I've been seeing some Midwest uh, recipes on Facebook involving mayonnaise lately, and it's been oh, very upsetting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you know. Which I saw one. the one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Let's Ooh. let's move okay. forward, please. Mm, please. So <laughs> now that we're uh, fully into this episode, yes, <laughs> we have discussed some of the weird aspects of. Really, kind of any romantic comedy yeah. where it's not based in realism at all, mm-hmm. they joke about that in the not realistic romantic comedy. They talk right. about what is an affair to remember yes. and how not realistic it is right. in this movie that's not itself not realistic. Exactly. So it's meta before that was a thing that was invented. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. So the question is for your, we both have, for those unfamiliar, a take on this that we think might actually work mm-hmm. that gives proper homage to the original or is a, is a good remake or reboot and then we have our remix or our kind of outside the box take on it yes so for your real one um i'm gonna have you jump into your kind of plot overview if you're changing anything about the plot if you're keeping it kind of similar mm-hmm. to the original tonally if you're changing anything mm-hmm. and then uh if you go, go through your director and your cast list then i'll go after oh, with mine after yours sure um, okay, so I didn't really change a lot for my original or for my you know reboot. What's this? It's not an overly convoluted plotline. It's really not. So y- you can't change much without making it a different story. I think I would just modernize it a little bit. Okay. So rather than all the letters that he gets to his house, it's like a shitload of Facebook friend requests. Okay. Um, and so hers just gets like lost in the shuffle. And so rather than the letter, Jonah's going through, the son is going through the friend requests and looking through like people's interests and things like that. And so he sees her picture and sees that she looks kind of like friendly a little matronly in her mm-hmm. style, I think, in this movie was just slightly matronly. Um, and that's how it kind of comes about rather than like the old school letters and things like that. So just okay. slightly modernized, but not a ton. Um, and so for my director, I just felt like it was only right. So Nora Ephron was the romantic comedy queen of okay. the 90s. So I went with the new school romantic comedy queen, which is Nancy Myers. So Nancy Myers did Something's Gotta Give. She did It's Complicated. Okay. Um, she just does... Like very beautiful scenery, which I think would be fun, especially because that wasn't really leaned into. Like they moved to Seattle for why? That's never, ever explained. I think the main reason is that's like the furthest away from Baltimore that you can get and New York. So it makes it problematic based on location and that's it. That's just the most rant. Like, make it San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like Seattle. Again, we were talking about this during the movie. Your wife dies. You're highly depressed. Why not move to the place where it rains every fucking day of your whole life? That's a real high suicide rate. Oh, the highest in the country. Let's go there. Yeah. Let's just fucking play the odds and see what happens if I move there. So that's bizarre. So I'm thinking at least Nancy Myers, because she does love a good scenery. She can like really play with that. Um, she would at least make it beautiful to live in Seattle. <laughs> you, could, you could do Seattle or... Uh... No, honestly, Seattle's fine. You've got plenty of scenery out there. I was thinking like Northern California with the big redwoods and stuff, but there's plenty of 
gorgeous nature up in Washington State. There's no reason to change it from Seattle. Yeah. And like it, it, it's called Sleepless in Seattle. You could, so it has to stay there. You could maybe call it. <laughs> so, it there was a remake of American Werewolf in London called American Werewolf in Paris. So we need, uh, but we need the alliteration. So Sleepless in San Francisco it doesn't have the same. Se- sleepless in Sacramento. Mm, I guess it just see now that it's in guess my brain and like sexy. tattooed on my brain. Sleepless in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like everyone is because it sucks there, and they're staying up late at night wondering why they're in Sacramento. Well, that I mean, why else? What else are people doing in Seattle? They can't sleep because the fucking rain is deafening on their ceiling. Sleepless in Santa Cruz. Ooh. <laughs> and they're like, you should be tired from surfing, right? Exactly. <laughs> why are you awake? <laughs> You're getting up early to catch like the early morning waves. You exactly. gotta. Exactly. <laughs> so that's where I went with Just it. Just like Matthew McConaughey surfing oh, as perfect. the dad. Yes, yeah, there exactly. we go. That's that's my take there. Yeah. <laughs> perfect casting. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. Actually, I'm changing a number of my choices He's now based on things out yes. furiously. Furiously. <laughs> okay. So similar. Yes. Um, with the the new queen of the romantic com- uh, comedy. Yes. Who are you casting? Oh, okay. For, uh, for the cast list. The whole thing. Let's let's do it. Rock through it. Okay, cool. All right. So I tried to think of who would also be able to do the kind of like sexy dad, but also like in pain and be able to do all the layers that Tom Hanks does beautifully, yes. quite frankly. Um, and so for Sam Baldwin, our lead, um, I went with Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Because I feel like he has that. He's you know, got- he's broody. But also like sexy and fun. He did like thirteen going on thirty, which is a that good rom com. B D E, big dad, big dad energy. <laughs> you could totally see him as a great dad, like yeah. just a solid dad. Um, and alongside him as my Annie, I needed somebody else kind of like wide eyed that could play it like she wasn't wild in this movie, like yeah. she was playing it totally insane. Um, and I wanted to give someone a chance who. We all know is a great actress from some of the work that she's done, but in the rom-coms that she's chosen have been terrible films. <laughs> Sorry if anyone's a fan of them. Um, but I went with Amelia Clark. Um, okay. We all know her, love her from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did that movie Me Before You with the guy that's dying and it was just like very sappy and like saccharine and it was rough. And then she just did that last Christmas movie that I unfortunately read the spoiler about and it was like the worst plot line I've ever heard in my life. Nice. Um, But I think that she could do such a good job and she can really play the different layers and I'd like to see her do kind of like a silly thing with it. So she would be my Annie in this. Um, For Jonah, I mean, this was a tough one because you need a really good kid. A really good actor because this that kid, kid was we, great. We looked at his cast list and he did a bunch of stuff in uh, in like three years in the 90s. Yeah. That he was in everything. Right. And then just kind of slowly fell off and didn't do, really do much after that. So, yep. But incredible kid actor. Oh, he was great. Yeah. And he was able to really play into like the sadness and the fun and being a little shit like he was such a little monster but still lovable yeah um so i decided to go with somebody that um from a movie that we also watched recently uh we watched marriage story and okay. the kid from that okay this name he was a little shit he was in, a little that shit movie, but that also in sleepless in seattle the kid right. was a shit but also so. i'd like to see this kid do more because in marriage story he was kind of uh you know like Quiet and aloof, like where he couldn't really read what he was doing mm-hmm. as much. And I think it'd be fun to watch him kind of be like a little sarcastic child monster. Okay. Um, this kid, I'm so sorry. His name is Aji Robertson. It's A-Z-H-Y. So I don't, I apologize. I have no advice. Aji, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. But he was great in Marriage Story. And I feel like he also kind of looks like he could be Mark Ruffalo's kid, just like he was Adam Driver's kid. Gotcha. So that's my choice for that. For Walter, that's our Bill Pullman character that Annie is engaged to. That's kind of dorky, but, you know, in a lovable way. I went with one of our favorite lovable dorks, Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, yeah. You know, he could really play that naive character really well. Well, like, not a bad character. Oh, no. No point does Walter come off as, like, this piece of shit that she's escaping. No, not at all. No. It's just not a good fit. There's, like, nothing between There's, them. like, no chemistry at like, all. Like, at all. Yeah. Um, but he's also very earnest, and I get mm-hmm. that from Jesse Eisenberg. So that's why I feel like for a straight reboot, he would be okay. a good choice. 
uh, for Becky. So that's Rosie O'Donnell, uh, which is Annie's best friend in the movie. Um, I would love to see one of my favorite best friend characters, uh, Merritt Weaver. Merritt Weaver. She actually was also in Marriage Story, funny enough. Um, she was Scarlett Johansson's sister in that. Okay. Um, but I know her and love her as the best friend character um, in Nurse Jackie. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoyed that show. And she was the highlight across the board. I've seen that in a million different reviews. Super funny, weird, quirky, very Rosie O'Donnell-esque in this movie. Just kind of like wide-eyed. And... Rosie O'Donnell in this movie is actually not full Rosie O'Donnell. Not She's at all. a lot more muted because if I'm thinking full Rosie O'Donnell. Right. Uh, then I'm thinking a, a good carryover from now would be like Rebel Wilson. Exactly. Right. But, but Rosie but O'Donnell in this movie. That's the thing. Because I thought of a Rebel at first. Mm-hmm. But Rebel's I thought of her too. Way too big for the way that that role was played in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This is far more muted and subtly funny. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why I went with her because she can play that understated really well. Um, Jay is played by Rob Reiner and that's his best friend Tom Hanks' best friend mm-hmm. um, and I just thought it'd be really funny um, to see that because he's kind of like the straight shooting like you gotta get back in there and like slay some pussy kind of character yeah. in a 90s like wholesome kind of way um, and I wanted to see that as Donald Faison I thought that would be oh, really wow, that fun is good. he's such a great best friend he's a great best friend and also he just he's got that kind of charisma where mm-hmm. you can see him I mean he it's kind of his role that he played in Scrubs but Exactly. The, the character that is happily married. Right. More than content in his relationship, right. but still kind of wistfully thinks about his exactly. single time. And wants to live vicariously through his but best friend. not really. No, like, he's no. super content, but also, yeah. Exactly. So I, that's, yeah, that But, like, here's the really shit well. and the fun stuff. Yeah. Last but not least, uh, I cast Victoria. So that's the girl that Tom Hanks dates for a while that his mm-hmm. son absolutely hates because she's obnoxious. Um, and so what I wanted to do with this is uh, a leading lady for many rom-coms who is completely obnoxious. And I never want to see her being a le- leading lady again. Um, and so I went with Katherine Heigl. Wow. Because she is the worst. She is awful. And I feel like she would be the worst in a more current, like, subtle way. Whereas Victoria in the movie is, like, over the top. Her laugh is like a hyena and she's just a lot. Katherine Heigl, I feel like she just has that the worstishness that kids can see. Even if the dad's like, eh, she's kind of hot and like she's funny or whatever. The kid's like, mm, no, there's evil in there. Yeah. <laughs> I can smell it. <laughs> she is so bad that yeah. movies I've seen other actors in, uh-huh. I don't like the other actors as much <laughs> because they're in a movie with her. They can't have chemistry with her. No. It's impossible. There's, and so I, that's why she's perfect for this. I've gone on long diatribes about my feelings on The Ugly Truth with Gerard Butler and That was Catherine the Heigl. first movie I put as my I, reference I for her. I fucking hate that movie. It's the worst and movie. And everything it stands for. Oh, yeah. It's and terrible. she's the fucking worst in it. And yeah. Gerard Butler is fucking terrible in it, too. Yeah. Where it, I actually, after 300, every dude in America was like, Gerard Butler! Oh, sure. Oh. Yeah, of course. That's about it, though. There's not a much much else. There's a couple movies that he's okay in. Well, he got into the market. Oh, shit. I can't remember what that movie's called. But with the sad movie with, I think, Hilary Swank, where he's her dead husband. And it was, like, very romantic. And oh, he's Irish right, and right, stuff. right, right. So he tried with that one. That's and the then one did that the all I remember is truth. that they had her screaming in the rain with I'm not going to write you a love song playing in the background in the trailer. Oh, man, I don't remember And that. I was like, that is the ultimate girl movie, like, trailer moment. You know what's so funny? I convinced you to do this girl movie with me. I've never seen that movie, so. <laughs> no, I've seen the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I think so, I, I may have seen the trailer. I don't remember that. It's like, it's mostly just him, his voice on a tape recorder yes, or something. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And she has to like go around Ireland on like a weird dead husband treasure See, hunt. I didn't even know it was Ireland, but yeah. I think so, if I remember correctly. I definitely right. had many friends who were like, that movie speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's how my friends all talk. Just like that. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> So that is my straightforward reboot. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, going to get into mine Do now. It. Um, then we'll get into our fun, weird ones. I bet we probably went in a similar direction. We might have. It. We yeah. very well might have. Now, for mine, I wanted, even with my I, my plot overview for my series, is I definitely wanted to lean into the fact that Annie Reed is neurotic as shit. Oh, yeah. Like, they... Played Meg Ryan so quirky and yeah, cute, she's cute. Mm-hmm. that it doesn't come off as neurotic. And she, the character itself, as Meg Ryan does play, is a neurotic character. She plays neurotic right. in this, and you've got male in a lot of her romantic. When Harry Met Sally, 
she is the neurotic character, but yeah. it's quirky neurotic. Exactly. I want to play it a little bit more like problematically neurotic. Okay, yeah. Go a little bit more so it gives it slightly a darker edge. It's still a romantic comedy. Right. I'm not making this like fucking scary. Yeah. But I wanted somebody that has that like can really play on the awkward moments. Right. That that you're also you're playing, you know, Sam as this broken widow yeah. that or widower that is dealing with this really tragic moment and he's dealing with it with sarcasm and he is a funny person and there are glints of who he was before this tragedy right. befell him. And you see that coming out a little bit more as he's getting more comfortable with living in Seattle and beginning sure. to try to date and trying to find himself. And you see that like tonal shift in his character. Mm-hmm. You don't really see him being quirky like fully until yeah. right at the end. Got it. You know. Mm-hmm. So I need somebody that can play dark, really dark, and yeah. but can play it with humor. And there's a, a director that is responsible for, and this is perfectly the tone that I'm going for, Sideways, Election, About Schmidt, oh, nice. Nebraska, Downsizing. Yep. Like that perfect yep. mixture of darkness and humor. I gotcha. And that's uh, Alexander Payne. Yep. Is the director. That's so, perfect. Yeah. I think it'd be very, still very quirky. Oh, sure. Very... Dialogue driven. All the all those movies are very dialogue driven. Yes. So both and that's, darker moments. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So that that's going to be the tone. So for Sam again, good dad mm-hmm. can play kind of darker, but can be very dad charismatic. Yeah. Goofy but charming and and you know lovable and even though he's going through some real darkness, there isn't like a sharpness to that darkness. Yep. It's just a tragic character, you know, dealing with this really tough thing and, right uh so i wanted an actor that can even in the dark moments still come off as like lovable like not the uncomfortable like okay well i'm gonna go right you're sad right it's more of like come here you big lug let me let me snuggle you and make you feel better yeah uh that for me is chris pratt i don't okay. care i don't yep. care how like muscly he gets he's yep. a, still a teddy bear man yep totally get it and he's funny as hell mm-hmm. he looks like he would be the adorable dad that's saying like wildly inappropriate things to the kid but the kid gets it yep. so it's fine yep so, i totally agree with that yeah and for his wife i wanted somebody that or for his wife for his future wife for annie <laughs> i wanted crossed. i wanted somebody that is charming and adorable but also could play neurotic as fuck mm-hmm. and this is an actress that we're both desperately in love with oh i know exactly who yep. it is i almost cast her yeah yep i i couldn't not i know to me, she is like my generation's Meg Ryan. I agree. In, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely lovable. Mm-hmm. Can definitely play neurotic. Uh, played that kind of character. Kind of the perfect tone for the character in uh, The Good Place. We're mm-hmm. talking Kristen Bell. I almost cast her as my best friend character, too, actually. I thought about that, too. Because I thought too, she would yeah. be so fun as that. Mm-hmm. So well, Chris- she's perfect in everything. You, you yeah. could have been like, I cast her as Jonah. And I would have been like, fuck yeah, honestly. Yeah, right? She's a pocket person. But also, I just really want to see a Chris Pratt, Kristen Bell, like romantic comedy. True. I think that would be super charming. Yeah, where's that? Yeah, Hollywood. No yeah, fuck you, Hollywood. Where the fuck <laughs> is this? Get on it. All right, you gave me the Chris Pratt J-Law. Uh, cool. That movie sucked. I enjoyed it. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's we can talk about this off air. Okay, that yeah. was insane. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> <laughs> so Annie is Kristen Bell. Then we go into Jonah, and kid actors are always really hard. They really are. But luckily, there's a kid around the right age that also has been absolutely fucking wrecking Hollywood with his acting chops recently. Whoa, okay. And I was thinking of a couple different movies that were very recent that I've seen recently. And be like, who was the kid in it? Turned out, same kid. And it was Ooh. also kids that we, uh, the kid that we've talked about from other movies. He was in Wonder. He mm-hmm. was in A Quiet Place. He was in Vo- Ford v Ferrari and Honey Boy. Yep, I almost cast him too. He's an incredible <laughs> child actor. He is so good, so fucking good. Yeah, and almost to the point where he's almost maybe too good for this romantic comedy. Good. <laughs> I mean. He can act as... He's like taking a vacation by doing this movie. Exactly. He's like, oh, cool. I can phone it in. Cool. And He's they're like, like oh, it has amazing. a dead mom? All right. Well, I guess I it's guess, worth my yeah, while. I, I lived in a post-apocalyptic world full of monsters. So, right. And I right. I, I was a uh, basically slave labor child actor. But this is fun, too. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Talking, uh, Noah, Noah Jupe, I believe, mm-hmm. as the pronunciation. And he's 
fully incredible. Yeah. Uh, well past his years as far as acting chops. Mm-hmm. A huge future if, you know, he decides I to know, stay I in I know, I hope industry. he does. Not like the kid that actually played Jonah. I'm sad that he didn't he, end up no doing shit. all that. No shit, yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Noah, Noah Jupin more. Mainly yep. because now I have a child actor that I can lean on for these castings. Honestly, in, uh, I knew this, it too. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's so good. So good. Now for Walter, I wanted somebody, you know, Bill Pullman isn't like super lanky, but he is a no. taller gentleman. Yeah. And also awkward. It plays it very awkward. Um, this is an actor that can play super charming and super charismatic and can also go the totally different way and be weirdly quirky uh-huh. and, uh, and awkward. And I could see being somebody with lots of allergies and just weird, but, uh, but there's a has played dark and really bright like uh, like wistful characters. Um, I went with Adam Driver. That is not where I thought you were going no. with that. Okay, Who'd yeah, you think I, I love was that. Cast? Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader would be. He actually, was on my list, but he's a little. I mean, no, he's in Barry. He was fucking incredible. He could play that like harder skeleton twins. Skeleton twins. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think Adam Driver. I wanted okay. somebody that is like just by being on the screen is lovable. Mm-hmm. But not in a way that you're actually rooting for them to be together. It's more him kind of like in his own movie. That's <laughs> like, fair. Yeah, I can totally see that. And uh, so so I, I really love Adam Driver. I think I'm fully convinced of his acting chops after seeing Marriage Story. Yeah, uh, he's He was good. fully incredible in that movie. Mm-hmm. He had every reason to be nominated yeah. for that role. He was killer. So Adam Driver for Walter. Love that. Then I'm going into Becky. That was Rosie O'Donnell's role. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the like sarcastic sass talking friend Mm -hmm. but not as big as say rebel wilson like we were talking about sure uh and especially she played it a little bit more muted than some of her other roles um in the marvelous ms Maisel. i went with alex borstein oh i love her i love her how do you not love her? she's incredibly funny she is super quick Mm -hmm. and sassy and also importantly Rosie has that kind of like New Yorker accent. Yep. And I wanted that for the character too. And Alex Borstein has that. So it, that just, it seemed good. like a yeah. very natural Definitely. carryover. And then finally, my last casting, I did six parts. Uh, I got Victoria, mm-hmm. the love interest. Yep. And I wanted someone that could be attractive and interesting, but also very awkward to the point where it's kind of the Walter of his relationships, yeah. you know, where <laughs> it's just, there's something off mm-hmm. and you're not sure, really sure what. And, this is an incredible actress that we've talked about a lot recently. Yeah. And could absolutely knock it out of the park. Uh, Laura Dern. Oh, man. And also, Laura Dern, and Laura Dern has worked with Alexander Payne before. He's worked with uh, Bruce Dern, her father yeah. in Nebraska. Very, very good relationship with the director. So mm-hmm. it just seemed kind of like a natural conclusion that she would be in this at some point. Yes. I mean, cast her in literally everything. That's fine with me. The thing is, I don't think... <laughs> She, I, I think she would do fine as the Annie Reed role. Yeah. But I don't think it's the right casting for her as Annie. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, she seems like she has it together a little bit more than that. Or her neurotic isn't the same kind of neurotic as the yeah. Annie character. Yeah. So uh, Laura Dern, I think for Victoria, where it's like, you don't, again, just kind of the Walter thing, you don't have anything against the character. There's no problems there. It's just not the right fit for mm-hmm. the main character. Yeah. So, uh, which... I would love to see, you know, Victoria and uh, Walter somehow yep. find each other. And then it's like, oh, well, fuck. We have a sleepless in Seattle moment between the two of us. Yes. Adorable. That would be adorable. Yeah. So that's my casting for my my serious take. Perfect. Now we've got our remix versions. Uh-huh. So we're going to take a short break and talk about some stuff happening on the network. And when we come back, we will uh, get into our remix. Oh, man. I need some sort of like music to play there or some little no, like we need someone else to do someone it. someone else do it yeah because i don't need to do that anymore no it upsets <laughs> literally everybody that's been on the show when i do remix okay. they get yeah they get really mad <laughs> and i understand again. i understand the short break will be a drinking heavily break yes so <laughs> we'll be back uh completely wasted hammered hammered we are back for 2020's GalaxyCon happening february 28th through march 1st in the richmond convention center and uh, we've got six panels for you this time. We had five last time. We've got six for you this time. Five live recorded podcasts and a 
Adventures in Podcasting panel as well. The schedule goes February 28th at, from 5 to 5.50. We've got the Geeks Under the Influence panel. 6 to 7 on Friday is Smack My Pitch Up. Saturday from 4 to 4.50 is Geek Father. And uh, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. is Beautiful Disasters. That's going to be both showing a main feature film and then discussing it afterwards. They're going to be showing Space Truckers and then uh, showing both Space Truckers segments while talking about it and also segments of other films featuring celebrities that are at GalaxyCon. Then Sunday from 4 to 4.50 is Adventures in Podcasting where you can hear stories about our times uh, with Geeks Under the Influence doing podcasting, stories from other conventions, stories from recording, and insights, information, uh, helpful clues if, if you are interested in getting into podcasting yourself. Then one of our newest shows, 5.45 to 6.45, is From the Mouths of Madness with my co-host from GUI, Lowdown Brown, and Fuck You, Hunter, as they discuss the favorite kills from horror movies, I believe, is their, uh, is their subject matter. So come out to the GalaxyCon and the Richmond Convention Center, February 28th to March 1st, and enjoy some Geeks Under the Influence live. It's free with uh, paid admission. Find more information at GUIPodcast.com or any of our social medias. We will see you there. We're back for Smack My Pitch Up's episode on Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Uh, we just finished talking about our actual remakes or reimagining. Mm-hmm. Remake, I guess. Yeah, I would yeah, say Not so. a full reimagining, really, yeah. for either one of us. And... Now we're getting into the weird part. We're talking about our, uh, yes, I think so. I enjoy this thoroughly, Mm -hmm. which is our remix versions where we take kind of maybe a different approach to the property and see what it would look like maybe through different colored glasses Mm -hmm. for for your tone. Mm -hmm. um, Are you going kind of a similar tone? Are you going just a totally different direction? Totally different direction with this one. What are we looking at for this? So, I mean, I want this to be a stalker movie. Okay. Um, And so I was kind of thinking along the lines of a movie where there is a female protagonist, but you don't know whether or not she's okay and that you don't know whether you should root for her because you don't really know what she's going to do. And that kind of movie that I was thinking of, the closest I could come with is Gone Girl. Okay. And so I chose David Fincher. I was really considering that because really? I'm going an incredibly similar direction with it. I figured we would because yeah. I kept looking at you during the movie when something stalkery would happen and just your face. <laughs> it's like he's going full stalker Oh, as yeah. Well. I, I'm 100% going stalker. <laughs> I knew you would. And I was thinking Gone Girl because I was looking up like sexy thrillers. Uh-huh. You know, or just like that kind of like noir thriller kind of tone. Uh-huh. And they've been really lacking in recent years. I agree. Yeah. That used to be a huge thing, especially in the 90s. Like yes. the 80s and into the 90s, like yes. gritty, sexy thrillers were yep. all over the place. Right. But instead, because so Gone Girl, you know, she and he are both shitty. Um, and even though she is the main character, you're getting a lot of his side and you don't like him. You don't like her. You don't trust anybody. Um, and I wanted it to be that she is the one that's not trustworthy. And he's kind of like... Just living his life and coping with his kid and just kind of like a sweetheart. Not um, aware of what's coming. Totally unaware yeah. of what's going on. Um, so for my casting, I wanted to go with someone who I feel like kind of has that pure nature and hasn't really gotten as much into like romantic movies or things like that. And who, well, he has one coming up soon, actually. Um, but I could just see him in a darker role because he's done more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it'd be fun on both levels. Um, and so I went with Lakeith Stanfield because um, he was so good in Sorry to Bother You, which oh, got yeah. ultra dark. Get Out, obviously very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a romantic drama coming out this week, actually, um, called The Photograph. You've told me about that. Yeah. Because yeah, I want to see it. Yeah. Um, and so I figured he would be great. And I could also see him as like, sexy dad yeah like i could just he has like that tenderness kind of side i think to him um switching complete gears for my woman on the verge um i just thought that this would be really fun uh because this is an actress that always plays the best friend she's never a main character okay um but she can do really kooky and she can do kind of evil and i think that she would chew the fuck out of the scenery of this role um, and so I went with Judy Greer. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I okay. Know, I know. And she's played crazy. She really has. Yeah. And so I thought it'd be so fun just to see her unhinged. Like That's fully. a big age difference, too. It is a big age difference. Okay. But see, he doesn't know her. 
Yeah, so it doesn't all. matter. It, it does really doesn't not matter. matter yeah. at all. I thought wow. about that too. Okay. I thought that would also be an interesting element to sure. it. Um, that, you know, she's in like a loveless relationship or actually I was thinking in this one kind of like a bizarre relationship where he, they're both kind of unhinged, which I'll get to my casting on that and you'll see where I went with it. Sure. Um, where like he's off in his own world. I was thinking he kind of had like some kooky habits or something like that. Just kind of like ignores her because he's so in his own life that he doesn't notice that she's like spiraling. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> for, I'll get to that. Uh, for the child character, I actually uh, flipped the gender on this one. Um, so I chose a uh, a female child actress um, who I just love because she can play sassy so well. Mm -hmm. And I think that honestly, she would be the comic relief of this movie. Okay. Um, and so I chose, I think her name is Marseille, Marseille Martin. Um, that. She's on the show Blackish, but the newest thing oh, that she okay. did yeah. was she was the main character of that movie Little, where it was like the reimagining of Big, sure. where she turns into like a a little CEO, yeah. and she's just like a sassy little shit to everybody, yeah. and they're like, who the fuck is this small child <laughs> telling me to get her a latte like yeah. that? I figured that that would be a good energy and also play off of like the sweetness that I'm trying to get from like the main character, the male character. Um, and so I just thought that that would be a fun dynamic um, for the two of them. Uh, for Walter, mm -hmm. um, for her like kooky fiance, who like I said, is just kind of like doing his own thing. I can see him with like a bunch of weird hobbies or something like sure. that. So I went with Walton Goggins. Wow. <laughs> That's Judy Greer and Walton Goggins are like the kookiest, oh God. weirdest, not no chemistry, no like sexual chemistry None between whatsoever. them whatsoever. Walton Goggins in like a weird thriller version uh -huh. of Sleepless, Sleepless in, in Seattle. Seattle. Holy shit. I mean, I would honestly watch him in anything. And I also feel like he's a chameleon and would just be would in just anything. Would play in whatever sandbox. <laughs> just do an amazing job. Oh, man. But I thought that that'd be really fun. Can't you see him with like a weird curiosities type of habit and like doesn't even notice her when she's, you know, stalking this person just on the internet. A, a, and yeah. She's like, I'm taking a trip to Seattle, and he's like, okay, whatever, tinkering. <laughs> Just he, general tinkering. He's got, he's the do guy with the trains in his basement. He totally you know, the model is. Trains. He yeah. totally is, and she has to go all the way down to the basement to tell her, tell him, and he doesn't even look up. Which would be actually kind of a good playoff of the original Sleepless in Seattle, because I think Meg Ryan's character's father had trains, which was mentioned when they were yes. walking up, but they were never fully realized in the scenes. Oh, we never saw the train. Never saw the train. So it would no, be kind of a- No, she was just making him memorize literally every single thing about her family. Which is the most bizarre thing. So bizarre, quizzing him. Uh, for my Becky, I wanted to also go in a totally different direction. And I was thinking more of like the goth voice of reason friend. <laughs> okay. Who like, they work together. And so they have like an unlikely friendship. Sure. Um, But she is the one that has to- physically get in the way of Judy Greer making a terrible, terrible mistake. Just a tornado of a person. Right. And who somebody who like seems apathetic but like genuinely cares for her friend. Um and so she has to intervene all the time. So I thought of somebody kind of tortured, who plays tortured really, really well. Sure. Um, but also has a tender side to her. And so I went with uh Jessica Jones herself. Yay. Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. I love her. As I we, would love to see that. As we were watching the movie, I made the joke that I was casting Kristen Ritter uh -huh. as the like apathetic babysitter. Yeah. It's like a teenage <laughs> person, a teenager. but it looks like a young Kristen Ritter. It really does. Yeah. Like it might be. Who knows? But <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Are you casting Kristen Ritter? What are the odds that we're both casting Kristen Ritter? Weirder shit has happened. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, Kristen Ritter, I think, is a perfect choice for it, especially a thriller version uh -huh. of, of this movie. Yep. Yeah. Is is. Phenomenal. I thought she would be perfect for that. Um, for my J character, I kind of wanted like a sweet clueless friend. So rather than the one who is like street smart and trying to, you know, tell you about what it's like, I wanted somebody who also could not see any of this coming because he's just so like genuinely nice that he wouldn't see the worst in people and like wouldn't see the sketchiness of the situation. Um, and so I went with everyone's best friend, America's best friend, Paul Rudd. Wow. Okay. <laughs> also, I feel like him and Lakeith Stanfield would have a great rapport. Oh yeah. Um, and so it would just kind of be like a oh, calm before it, the storm. It would be thing. one of those that the 
gag reel would be so wildly oh, different ridiculous. than the tone of the movie. Ridiculous. The movie would be like super fucking uh-huh. dark and the gag reel would be them like dancing to the Bee Gees With or Judy something. Greer. With Judy Greer. <laughs> just doing like walking like an Egyptian or the just casting, being dumbasses. The casting really got out of my hands, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it just started to go for it. Mine kind of did a similar thing where I was just really starting to think about like it's it's kind of all over the place, my casting for oh, yeah. for my version of this, which I'm also that that's all your cast, right? Oh, except for my Victoria. Oh, your Victoria. My, oh, who is important actually, because okay. this is also a little bit comic reliefy. So rather than her being outwardly obnoxious, I wanted it to be more currently obnoxious in the way of like um current events and just like generally expressing an opinion that nobody fucking asked for. And so I went with the queen of that. Gwyneth Paltrow. Wow, goop herself. <laughs> goop. That's literally all I wrote for acts for uh, known for. I just put goop with an exclamation point. She is a monster to the point of actually being dangerous because of the of the fake science that she's slinging at people. Exactly. And I mean, it does not sound like real life whatsoever. It sounds like a movie that she made a candle that smells like her fucking vagina. Yeah. So I could see that you and get her, that in the like, uh, okay and the body spray that Erica Badu is making of her vagina and oh, just have yeah. a whole Everyone's party. Vaginas. Everyone's vaginas, yeah. Oh, gotta get on that. Gotta. <laughs> That's my whole casting. <laughs> so I'm also doing sexy thriller. Nice. And I, I was don't think mine's sexy. <laughs> it's just weird. Mine, I'm going for that like kind of classic thriller style, which I uh found out that, you know, there's there's not a lot of the jade, you know, oh, look yeah. that kind of kind of deal out at the moment. And I was digging around trying to see if there was anything coming out in the near future. Mm-hmm. And there's a movie called Deep Water coming out with Ben Affleck in it. Oh. And I, I was like, okay, I dug into that and looked at the director and then realized that this director is like the king of sexy thrillers. Ooh. It's the director of Unfaithful, Lolita, Indecent Proposal, Jacob's Ladder, Fatal Attraction, <laughs> Nine and a Half Weeks, Flashdance. I mean- this is the sexy thriller person. I used him as my director for my sexy Twilight remake last time I was oh, here. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Jesus. For my yeah. sexy thriller. Talking Adrian Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's this is the person that when you think sexy thriller, He's you're thinking the ultimate. The, the ultimate. King. Yeah. When and so considering Sleepless in Seattle, it was written by the ultimate nineties rom com and rom com yeah. person. Get the person that did all the nineties thrillers. Yep. That's still doing thrillers. Yeah. So exactly. So Adrian Lynn um, is. So I'm going that classic 80s, 90s, Mm -hmm. sexy, fucked up thrill. Think Fatal Attraction kind of approach. Yes. And so I wanted for Sam Baldwin. Mm -hmm. I wanted a dad that is, you know, is a good dad and and kind of a similar approach where he's kind of definitely the victim here. Yeah. And he's not even aware of what's coming to him. Right. Now, the difference in the plot overview uh, for mine is that actually what a lot of the fuckitude is, is her contact with the son. Oh. Before she even flies to Seattle, there's exchanging of letters. Yes. And that's what kind of drives her to go to Seattle to do journalist stuff. Right. And so it's definitely more of a like, you're getting that freaked out, like this kid is in danger. Right. Because- the drive that I'm using for this, and this is like getting into kind of the the motivations of the characters, is that Annie in this role is not able to have kids. And oh, it's wow. created this like loveless marriage. She's married to uh to Walter. Wow. In this one. And he always wanted kids and she can't. And so they've looked into like adoption stuff, but it's just that she's kind of like a little bit and has screwed up like interviews with the adoption agencies and stuff and so he's come to like be like have some real alienation about the whole thing and she's kind of off the deep end and here's and she wants a kid too but she can't provide one and here's this like loving father whose kid is like begging for a mom to come into his life Mm -hmm. and and a wife for his dad and it seems like she kind of projects her issues on this like family this. Where is the sexy part? <laughs> well, it's a sexy fucking fatal attraction where she boils a rabbit. I right, mean, true. you know, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's more of that like sex infused thriller. You're like I guess. she's having a weird relationship with the kid because she can't have kids. It's a sexy thriller. No, no, it's more that that she's <laughs> there. It's, she's in a loveless relationship. It's a yeah. it's a failed marriage that 
it's being clung to. Right. She's like kind of stalking this dude via the internet, inter- exchanging emails with the son who's pretending to be the dad so she can talk kind of dirty to the son, which is like super fucked no. up and weird. Um, so the kid's having weird feelings about the whole situation. It's like a wildly fucked up situation. Oh, she goes out to Seattle. Uh, and of course, so Ethan Hawke oh, is my Sam Baldwin. That's a good one. Because he can play like tragic broken character, but also you can see him as a good father, but he's also really good at playing a victim. Mm-hmm. Like it, in The Purge and what have you. But right. he can definitely play that role. Yes. Uh, and for Annie Reed, I wanted a vampy character sure. someone that could look like a man eater that could okay. just rip a man to shreds and uh eva green is who i settled Ooh, on wow who she's in the, the school for peculiar children mm-hmm. she's in a penny dreadful like yep. she's stunning she is but she's also very like yeah very intimidating yes as well and uh and to kind of counter that is i wanted walter to play kind of like a dude that you could see as being formally very strong character that's been kind of like, I don't know, ruined. Right. <laughs> by this. We're going with the classic like man-eater woman sure. th- thing, which in today's climate doesn't really go anymore. No. But fuck it. This is a remix that isn't supposed to work anyway. Exactly. So we're just going for yeah. it. Um, I w- went with, for Walter, Ashton Kutcher. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's so weird. I cast Ashton Kutcher in my Adrian Lynn movie. Did you? Yes. I swear I didn't look at your casting or listen to the episode. It was a while ago. Um, so yeah, Ashton Kutcher is going to be basically like this broken dude that's just kind of like the life's been drained out of him by the the succubus that has Eva Green. Damn. And yeah. now she's tr- like finding this family, like this ready-made family that she's right. coming after. And she's got a friend that like isn't so sure about her anymore kind mm-hmm. of a tone that's the voice of reason that's the one that's like putting stuff together that ends up getting murdered at some point oh sure for knowing too much kind by of thing. eva green by eva green nice. yeah but then there's like blame the husband is blamed for it yeah. you know to get him out of the picture kind of thing right and, and uh a actress that could play sassy friend but also could play like the one that's figuring the shit out and smarter than most of the characters and aren't like buying any of the bullshit. Octavia Spencer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just got that like, she does. okay, I know what's going on. Why the fuck don't you right. have this figured out yep. kind of tone to her? So I think she'd play a great Becky. That'd be perfect. And then Victoria, the love interest for Sam Baldwin, I wanted in, because this is a thriller, I didn't want to go with the like awkward, bad laugh character mm-hmm. because it would be kind of out of the element. So I wanted someone that was like kind of, lifeless okay that had that just very stern approach to everything just took everything literally was awkward in the sense of like just didn't know how to people very well right and was like stunning but in in a kind of very sharp way Mm -hmm. and was interested but had to actually announce interest because you could never tell okay and i thought it would be really interesting to see tilda swinton (laughs) (laughs) as victoria uh, kind of going after Ethan Hawke. That's amazing. And I think that would be just like so awkward to see those yes. two like trying to court. It would be. Oh, that's terrible. I <laughs> it love would be it. Fucking awkward as yeah. shit. It's supposed to be. So, um, but the crescendo is basically that like a spider with a web, mm-hmm. you know, Annie convinces Jonah to run away to New York to meet her, mm-hmm. knowing that it, he's writing as the father. Yeah. And convinced, you know, sets this up knowing that it's actually the kid and figuring this. The... Wait, who's playing the kid? Oh, the kid. Oh, I did not play. I did not uh, name the kid. Jonah Baldwin, the kid. I wanted a precocious kid, but also very kind of could play gullible yeah. <laughs> a little bit better. Uh-huh. And so I went with Ian Armitage, who oh, plays yeah. young Sheldon. Well, yeah. As, he uh, plays as well other stuff. <laughs> a number of other things. But yeah, he, he could definitely play like a very intelligent yeah. kid, mm-hmm. but doesn't have the street smarts. He's such a good actor. He's a really good actor. And yeah. you're talking thriller. You got to have good actors in a thriller. Definitely. So that's that's my, uh, my kid wow. in there. But yeah, basically draws him out and... Then it's like he's bonded with Annie as like his new mom, which right. was really awkward statements in the original Sleepless. It I'm really going to meet my new was. mom. It's like, wow, kid. 
That's a lot. You need therapy. Yeah. Like, and bad. so you, this kind of explains that a little bit more that it's definitely yeah. Annie pulling the strings to right. make him have this feeling. So there's kid next to the stranger that dad doesn't really know anything about besides right. what his kid has mentioned about this Annie person. Right. And there's this like fucking psychopathic woman that has this kid on the top of a fucking giant building in New York City. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and it, it goes basically like the dad has to kill Annie oh, to save whoa. his son. So everyone dies Every, in Well, no, not everyone dies, not but there are deaths, yes. Or the son. Yeah. That's all that matters. And so the sleepless in Seattle is actually like, more played is that there's this stalker going around his house yeah. creating like really weird stuff that he's not sure what's going on. Ooh, yeah. I love it. So, yeah. Cool. So uh, at this point, we have gone with our actual like remakes we've yep. gone with our remix versions yes this brings us to the point where we uh get to do our trailers fun for our versions so Always um i think show. i'm gonna do my thriller version oh yeah of course you're gonna do your thriller version yeah, as who well does their reboot version i mean there are people that do the reboot version if they think it's really good or think True. it might actually work yeah. yeah and mine just i don't know how it would properly translate you know an, an about schmidt but sleepless in seattle <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs> Yeah, fair. <laughs> you know, if if Sideways was, you know, sleepless, <laughs> in, sleepless Seattle. in Seattle. Yeah. Sideways in Seattle. Sideways in Seattle. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. Solid. Thanks. Thank you. So uh, let me cue up the music and we'll get the trailers going. All right. Meet Sam Baldwin, a newly widowed father trying to make a life for him and his son in a new city. Meet Annie Reed, a wife in a loveless marriage, unable to create a family of her own. This fall, the prolific director of Flashdance, Indecent Proposal, and Fatal Attraction brings you a thriller for a new era. Ethan Hawke is Sam Baldwin, working through the death of his wife with his son, Jonah, played by Ian Armitage. When Annie Reed comes into the picture and starts a email exchange with the, the son, and much to the chagrin of Octavia Spencer's character Becky, who tells her to stay with Ashton Kutcher, character Walter, well, not the actor, the actor. All comes to a crescendo on the top of the Empire State Building. Who will survive, and what will be left of them? This fall, you might be too scared to close your eyes for Sleepless in Seattle. What? <laughs> what will be left of it? Yeah, like somebody yeah. gets decapitated or on the Empire State dropped Building. Dropped off the Empire State Building. Oh, man. Splattered two pieces. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> so there you are. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Tough to follow that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be real difficult to uh, surpass. <laughs> I set that bar so high. I mean, I have literally nothing planned, so I'm going to do what you just Clearly, did. Clearly, <laughs> that was my plan, too, is to have nothing You didn't this. write that word for word? I did not write oh. that word for word. You can, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can tell by the long pauses between. <laughs> I thought that was for drama. For dramatic effect, yes. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> so good. So if you can bring your David Fincher uh -huh. joint to the uh, <laughs> joint. Joint. It's a David Fincher joint. All right. From a mind of David Fincher, known for such films as Gone Girl, Another Woman on the Edge, Judy Greer comes out of his best friend role to play Annie Reed, an unhinged woman who's also unchecked. When she hears Sam Baldwin, played by Lakeith Stanfield, on the radio, talking with his sassy but fun daughter, Marseille Martin, she can't help but be compelled all the way to Seattle, much to the dismay of her goth work friend, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> played by Kristen Ritter. <laughs> and no one can protect Sam, not even his best friend, the wholesome and lovable Paul Rudd. If you see this movie, just see it for him. 
<laughs> That's the main reason to see any movie that Paul Rudd's in. Or if not, you might be the type to come see it for Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Sam's short-term girlfriend that his daughter, shockingly, does not fall in love with. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot to tell you that Walton Goggins is there as well. And he's... he's tinkering. <laughs> so don't... don't miss that. <laughs> Don't sleep on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Stay sleepless in the theater <laughs> with Sleepless in Seattle. There we go. I hate myself. <laughs> I always hate myself a little bit more when it comes to the trailer. I like you described the daughter as sassy but fun like she's a romper at Pacific Sun. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. And like goth friend like that's the <laughs> the role she plays in the company they work together like you are goth friend you have been assigned to the role you've gotten a promotion into goth friend i would love to be a company goth how much do you think you make i think fifty thousand. a company goths uh i think nowadays uh-huh. yeah I, I think the the role you'd make a little bit more goths are going out of style so there's fewer and further between that have the the uh Background. The official title. The background. I feel like Kristen to... Ritter would bully her way into a good amount of money. Absolutely. She's tough. It, she would she would end up getting a promotion to scary goth friend. <laughs> scary goth friend. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I blacked out. I always <laughs> black blacked out, out yeah. during the trailer. And I think I was just staring at you with unblinking murder eyes. You were for definitely like half of it. staring at me the entire time. <laughs> I wanted help. <laughs> well, the thing, you're looking at me like I, you were expecting me to do something <laughs> but we hadn't discussed beforehand me doing anything so i was like sitting what? there i don't know <laughs> i don't scary noises <laughs> i don't know but you were looking at me like like you were awaiting a response from me or like approval or something <laughs> like is this good and i'm like i don't you're not done yet i can't <laughs> you're like no but keep going <laughs> like i can't on the microphone like yes that's good keep going i can't do that no i think you just saw my soul leaving my body <laughs> is that what it is yeah but unfortunately it's back <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a lot more podcasts left to use your soul to discuss <laughs> uh, this fantastic and classic romantic comedy. It's a banger. It is. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle, around the Valentine's Day season, or anytime you're feeling in the spirit of a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. it's a great movie to pop on. Even if you've seen it a million times, you get you understand the beats. It's still a fun movie. Wildly unrealistic. Oh, yeah, and creepy. <laughs> and creepy, if you really think about it. You really have to kind of shut your brain off of that point. Yeah. Or you just wish that it was Judy Greer playing the Meg Ryan character. <laughs> Judy Greer, as she played her character in Arrested Development. Oh, my God. As Annie yes. from Sleepless in Seattle. I would love that. Definitely. Perfect. So that's where we're leaving our uh, versions of Sleepless in Seattle. If you have a take on Sleepless in Seattle you want to share with us, please do so through any of our social media. Uh, smack my pitch up on uh Facebook, mm-hmm. or get in touch with us through the Geeks Under the Influence email, geeksundertheinfluence, all one word, at gmail.com. Put smack my pitch up or pitch smacked in the uh, subject line and let us know what you think. Uh, set, shoot us a message on Facebook or uh, hit our hotline, our Geeks Under the Influence network hotline. That's for voicemails and text messages at 804-505-4484. That's 804-505-4GUI. And uh, we'll find you next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I want to thank my guest, Amy from Deeply Upsetting. Ah, thank you. Yes, uh, for joining me on this romantic voyage. Always a pleasure, To Seattle and back. (laughs) Uh, Definitely check out Deeply Upsetting, available at GUIpodcast.com. Do it. That actually has its own Twitter. It does. Yes, and Facebook page as well. So all that information is on GUIpodcast.com as well. Check that shit out. Definitely check that out. New episode dropping the same day as this episode, actually. So that's right. Stay tuned to that. And we'll see you next time. I'm Mike the Hobbit, and you just got pitched smack. GUIpodcast.com. Me like you, you like me. We meet on building.